Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to 15 Minutes with Lincoln. I am one of your two hosts, Timothy Robert Dunn, a common man in Chicago. And this week, the Tennessee State Legislature bans critical race theory from their schools, meaning there'll be no such thing as white privilege in Tennessee, just volunteer privilege. What was that? It's the first. It's gonna be the first joke in the monologue at the in the Huckabee show. Do you want to introduce yourself? Just because, like, this is a high concept podcast. It's already like we got to introduce people that you are the return spirit of Abraham Lincoln, which you are. But like, you're also a comedy writer for Huckabee. I just feel like we need to hit these beats hard up top for everyone to get on board. You know, I know. But on the Huckabee show, which I write for now. We start the show with like some jokes about kind of the current events and the news and the politics and yeah, and it's not a political show, but it's a it's a break from politics. It is a, it is a political show. You've said that multiple times on this podcast. It is a political show. It's very clearly a political show. Well, we usually just do a bunch of jokes about politics up front, and then Huck says it's not a political show to kind of put people at ease. <laughs> but Huck said I my behavior has been very good, and he said he's been very pleased with um, my contributions and he said this week he he might um he might let me watch the taping this week so i think that's that's really great you haven't been watching the tapings well i've had to do chores and let's again let's back up for a little more context you tried to start a union in the huckabee writers room in a moment of weakness i felt a little entitled and i think that's just going around these days there's just a lot of folks who feel like they deserve a hand out and rather- buddy i'm getting worried about you i'm getting pretty worried about you like when you were writing for him was one thing but like i it's not handout like you're just organizing your fellow writers you know well i was really starting kind of a grievance culture complaining that we only had two 15 minute breaks and a 30 minute lunch while we worked our 20 hour days and i think i realized that i'm very oh my God. lucky to have been even been employed in, especially in this economy with the Democrats just driving up inflation, spending left and right. Okay, okay, just walk me through this joke. I don't, I, I, I'm not going to win on this union thing. So walk me through this Tennessee joke. Well, so in any joke, first you do the setup, which is like you tell people what's actually happening at the news this week. So yeah. the Tennessee state legislator decided to ban critical race theory from being taught in any Tennessee public schools. Which is a really long setup, long, long setup, buddy. But okay, well, go that's ahead. the event, so I have to give. Can the... you cut it down? Can you cut it? Can you cut, chop any work? This week, Tennessee bans critical race theory from its schools. Good, but much better. That's way better. All right, nice. it feels like it loses something in there, but <laughs> anyway, it's really important that they did this because critical race theory was not currently being taught in any Tennessee schools, nor has it ever been taught in any Tennessee schools. So it's good that they did this now because they really got ahead of it. And it's even better they did this because most of the legislators admitted that they hadn't even read critical race theory, which I think mm-hmm. is really good to be banning things that from schools that we haven't even been reading. And I think, you know, anytime you can ban a book from a school, I think that's a good idea, or like a ban a thought from a school, or try to ban a thought in general. I think that's really good. And, of course, people are going to be – upset about this because everybody's so sensitive these days you know and that they have to just keep i'm sure the tennessee legislators are going to get canceled for this because people don't agree with them but um it's really good that they did this 
and so I was so so now um, they won't have to uh, worry about any of their students hearing about any of these these bad things, and so everything could just keep going as it was. And uh, volunteers, this is the volunteer state, Tennessee is um, you know a great state. My vice president Andrew Johnson, my second one, he was from Tennessee, part of the union mm-hmm. ticket. So, you know, I'm quite familiar with the the state, and they, uh, you know, the volunteers, of course, is a nickname that was derived from their. Okay, are you just adding name. more context to like prove that this joke is good? Like, yeah. I, okay, man, so vol- I'm sure it'll work. Yeah, volunteer. I'm sure it'll privilege. work at Huckabee. Yeah, yeah, it'll work in the audience because after he stops talking for a second, we all, he he knows to stop talking, and yep. as soon as he stops talking. Then we put this, uh, this we flip this light switch that makes a sign that says laugh, uh, yeah. and the audience sees that, and then the audience will laugh. I I want to make you uh, some comedians would look at that and say that's cheap, but I want to you know all all late night hosts do that just for any for you and for any listeners who aren't aware like that's a that's pretty standard. That's how you write a joke is you talk for a while <laughs> and you stop and then you turn a light on that tells the people to laugh. To laugh, that's right. Yeah. Um. Well, gosh, I wish you the best of luck, buddy. Normally, I come ready to go with the Hawks uh, guest list. Just give me one second. It looks like this past week on the Huckabee, um, you had uh, Stephen Moore, uh, Bernard Carrick, uh, Bo Wise, Ken Kennington, Mercy Me, and much more. Um, oh, so not not as many, you know, a guests if you don't mind me saying, but you know that probably gave you a bit more uh, leeway to get your comedy out there. Yeah, well, we didn't have as many comedy acts in this show as possible because the Ann Moore was included several chefs. Okay, and several. Well, Huckabee. Wait, was it multiple <laughs> chefs on one segment cooking something, or was it Mult- multiple chef segments? Multiple chef segments. Why did you do that throughout the show? Well, Huck realized that if he has a chef upon the show, then that means that he can have a snack in the he show. He gets to eat the food. So he, so he was, uh, he's on the show, and the he has a lot of chefs he likes, and yeah, uh, they don't. And I've gone after you. I've gone after you for making fat jokes before, but you work there. This is just a true fact that he does it because he wants. No, no, no! I would never make a joke about about uh, somebody's body if they were a conservative. That's not <laughs> something we would do at the Huckabee Show. We would much rather save those jokes for you know um, the people who deserve it. You know, uh huh. We like to punch up, and uh, yeah, Huckabee continues to have these these chefs on, and they've learned one of the things we have the Booker. And the line producer tell the chefs before their segment is, hey, don't try to tell Huck that the food you have is just an ingredient because he <laughs> doesn't understand what that is. He's just going to eat it anyway. And don't put right. him on the spot like the one chef we had. <laughs> don't try to get him to tell you what an ingredient is. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, um, I'm glad that went well for you, buddy. Uh, today, we were gonna we were going to talk about ufos and um when i texted that to you gosh i can't believe we've done the show for what five four or five years now and we we haven't talked about ufos do you know what a ufo is of course i have seen battleship and i have seen guardians of the galaxy volume two Uh uh-huh i have seen 
the Transformers films. So I'm familiar yeah. with what UFOs are. I'm going to do one thing that kind of used to be the hook of this show that we just don't do anymore, which is ask you about history. Um, you guys, you guys had some sci-fi back then. You had like Mary Shelley and I think Jules Verne was alive and writing during that time. The journey, but you didn't to the center of the earth and Dr. Frankenstein, <laughs> but you didn't have like, you know, space operas and that, that kind of thing. No, we, sh- we didn't. I should have said, who is Dr. Frankenstein? Or who is Frankenstein's monster, and then who is the journey? Of, what is the journey of the center of the earth? Because it felt like you were quizzing me there, Timothy. Oh, sure. Do you know yeah. Huckabee? There's some buzz that he might get the Jeopardy slot. That can't happen. No, oh, Abe, that can't happen. Well, they can't let a partisan. They can't let a partisan be the Jeopardy host. It's too important. No, this is true. One time in our line meeting, you know, we're all sitting around uh-huh. pitching things, and um. Uh, Huckabee um, was wanted to hear what we had, and he was eating a pizza and urinating in a trash can. And he was saying, "Can you Come believe on. they keep talking about this Levar Burton guy?" And then I should be the one who gets all the the press. And so he called his agent, and uh, and as he's talking to his agent, he kind of looks at us and he's like, "Yeah, so I know you guys like to look out for me and try to make money." And then he kind of rubs his fingers together. And we're like, oh, okay, we get what you're trying to say about your agents. So, yeah, I get what I get what he's trying to. So say. he told his agents to make sure that they put him in for that Jeopardy thing. So I don't, th- buddy, I don't think that's gonna happen. Yeah, I hope yeah. not, because I think he has a lot more creative freedom at the Huck Show, the show with his name on it. And if he took over Jeopardy, he'd probably have to like change, you know, make some changes. But we didn't have like space science fiction to answer your question, Timothy. It wasn't really. We looked at the stars almost every night. Uh-huh. We stargazed, and we would take in this grand firmament. We didn't have all this light pollution like you guys do now in that terrible, mm-hmm. this terrible city. This is one other reason why I don't trust the city slickers. And well, you know, uh, people would have their imaginations would would run wild. You, you had the you know you were not that much. F- uh, further behind us, you you had mapped out the constellations. You knew that the Earth wasn't the center of the universe. You know, you just didn't have people writing about spaceships and stuff like that. I wish I could have shown, like, done a screening at the White House of John Carter from Mars. Just, <laughs> I wish I could have just opened everyone's imaginations to, like, hey, right. this could be happening. There could be a soldier of the Civil War who stumbles into a cave, which is actually a portal to Mars, where he meets a beautiful Martian princess. And there's also a very tall, sc- skinny green aliens there but they're like kind of the subordinates to like the humanoid people and like they kind of have it all right you know figured out but they don't have slavery there they just kind of have like a hierarchy (laughs) man poor taylor kitsch huh you know he really he really took a gamble in that movie and battleship now well actually the more i think about it it seems like a pretty solid record for your taste in movies oh yeah i think he's doing great (laughs) okay let's get back to business uh the pentagon released all of these um all of this footage Wait, of ufos i didn't finish yeah. the historical context oh sorry it hit me we another thing you should keep in mind about my time is that america though we had we had maps large swaths were unexplored and undiscovered yeah. territories and we knew that there were possibly great treasures out there there are plenty of stories about the fountain of youth and about all sorts of lost cities that people might stumble upon a northwest passage 
We had so much to keep us occupied here on this planet that we didn't really look to the stars and think about who might be visiting us. There were plenty of cowboys or explorers or sailors who would tell these tales of seeing things in the sky they couldn't understand. And, you know, um, uh, there were these... Two, there were these two cowboys I knew back in um, East Salem, uh, New Salem, excuse me, mm-hmm. um, back in the day, who told this amazing story. At this time, they went out uh, fishing one late at night, and they were out on a pond, and um, you know they were they had they lost their bearings. They couldn't see where the edge where to, where to paddle to. So they said, "Well, we'll just wait till the morning. We'll spend the night here in the in the boat." And they had a bottle of whiskey and they drank this whiskey. And sure enough, they started confessing their feelings and talking about, you know, life in general. And the next morning, they both woke up and both their pants were missing. And they had memories of being probed in their anuses, but they didn't have the full pictures. And they said that they they must have been contacted by some spirits or visited by some demons or angels of some kind that would have in the middle of the night removed both of their pants and probed them and that was what happened and that it wasn't going to be weird between the two of them going forward it was just something that you know could have happened sorry, to any two sorry. people can i just ask some can i just ask just a couple of quick clarifying questions someone told you this story the guys personally these two guys they told me this story they each they each told me the story did you, like, walk in on them and, like, they were pantsless? Like, is that how this story came out? No, no, no. They were pantsless. So here's what happened. Okay. I went down to... Buddy, we have to get back to UFOs. So just, like, let's... Well, this is cliff this could have been UFOs. It seems like they were probed. I came down. It seems like it was two closeted gay men during your time. But I'm sorry. Continue well, going. Well, it may have seemed like that to you because everybody's so obsessed with this bedroom okay. stuff this day and age. But in our time, okay. that wasn't something we concerned ourselves with. I walked okay. upon them. I was going to go down fishing, um, yeah. possibly to get some more water from this lake. And I came upon them. They had a little fire going. And they were drying their shirts. They both were shirtless. And they uh-huh. also they had a bunch of like like uh, like uh water ticks on them, which is why they were like rubbing their chests against each other to try to get these water ticks. Okay, on. sure. And I said, well, yep. oh, okay, so that explains what, what's going on. And then I said, oh, okay, that's great. And then uh, I said, uh, okay, I'll just leave you guys alone. And then they went to the story and they said, oh, and also last night we were on this boat in the pond and nothing – uh, we didn't do anything, but we woke up with our pa- our pants down, and we remember having stuff in our butts. But it's not going to be weird between us, so don't worry about it, Abraham. Why did they? Why do you feel like they needed to tell you it's not going to be weird between us? Well, I just don't think they wanted. You know, I kind of startled them when I came around the corner because sure. there weren't like a lot of paths back then. I kind of cleared some brush, and I came upon them, and they were just rubbing chests against each other. On the ground, which you which you identified as a good way to get rid of water ticks, rubbing chests against. Water. Well, they, I was like, oh, why are you guys on the ground rubbing your chests against each other? They said we have a bunch of water ticks, and we figured that was the. And I was like, okay, that makes sense. I mean, why would you lie to me? Okay. And then right. I said, okay, well, I'm glad to see you guys are doing well. They're like, yeah, we're doing really well. Except last night, this thing happened. We both. You know, you you covered this part twice already. Okay. Um, yeah, that's I. It doesn't seem like UFOs to me, but honestly, Abe. I suppose we can't count it out. <laughs> my, my hunch is like 99%. These two men were lovers. Were they married men? Do you know that? 
No, we didn't have gay marriage back then, Timothy. No, idiot. Two women. Were they two men married to women? Uh, they both had long engagements. To oh sure, and they had um, their fiancés lived in um back east, right. And they headed out west for a new life, and maybe they would uh you know send for them at some point. Once they got settled, but they said they would do that once they caught right. enough fish. So they kept going out <laughs> into the into the lake. But boat. you never want to. It's it's hard to feel like you finally got settled, so you just kind of keep putting it off and off. Yeah, I would ask them. Yeah, I would I would see them and I would say, "Oh, Henry, Henry Charles, how is it going? Have you have you all caught enough fish yet to send for your wives?" They said, "No, we're heading back out tonight. We do our best fishing in the middle of the night, so we're gonna go fish <laughs> in the middle of the night on the boat." I said, yeah. "Okay, well, I wish you guys luck," and they said, "Thanks." Well, yeah, okay, Abe, so your story could be UFOs. <laughs> Let's just leave it there. I, I, okay, we're already at 17, so all I want to say is this, the UFOs, um, the UFO footage released by the Pentagon, I don't know, for decades, for the decades that I've been alive, UFOs were like um, this thing where we were like, haha, yeah, right, they're UFOs. Now it's like, nope, they're, it seems like they're real, and like, even the military, our presidents, don't know what they are, and that's kind of terrifying in a way because we look to them for answers. So I guess, like, if you had to sum it up in a couple of sentences, what are they? Are they ships with aliens on them, or are they mechanical drones sent from a civilization from far away? What do you think, Abe? Uh, m- most likely, yes, they are. they are probably sent from a portal of some kind that is here to explode i don't know what they are timothy ask michael bay he'll tell you he he'll figure that out yeah i, I would have thought just, they were oh, like sorry, go ahead i would have thought like that it was just our military kind of developing new technologies weapons which yeah you know, a few years ago, I would have said, like, good, we need to make sure that we defend ourselves. But then now I'd be like, we spend too much as it is as a government. I don't know if we need to be inventing all these new kind of flying things. Yeah. So, wait, the two guys who you you knew or you ran into, they said they went on a boat. Were there other people on the boat or was just the two of them on a boat that they ended up with their pants There on? wasn't enough room for more people on the boat. There was just the two of them. Just the two of them, and then they woke up without their pants on? Yeah, they said they woke up without their... One of them, they woke up, like, both on their sides. One had his arm draped over the other one, and they had their (laughs) pants down. And they said, well, we're not sure what happened. But I I think they knew what happened. And, uh, you know, I hope that they lived the rest of their lives peacefully and honestly about who they were. But, you know, who knows? Well... It was certainly not peaceful because, unfortunately, you know, I was at the saloon once and I went to the outback to where the, out, you know, the outhouse was. And I opened yep. it up and Charles and Henry were in there. And Henry is on his knees because Charles had been bit right in the groid by a big copperhead snake. Oh, so Henry God. had to be sucking out this venom. And I said, oh, no, that's a terrible place to get bit. He said, yeah, it is. I'm almost done sucking out the venom, Abe. Why don't you just give us a few minutes? And yeah, the the sad part was 
Charles got bit by that snake like every night because they were like back there forever. So I don't think Charles had a peaceful existence in the least because he kept having snakes crawl up his britches and bite him right in the junk. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's too bad about your friend getting bit in the piece, penis over again, over and over again by a snake. Um, did, did it happen to both of them? Like one one night, a snake would bite uh, one penis. Another night, snake would bite another piece. Or did it seem like this, there was like a preference of like one person was the one that sucked the poison out all the time? It seemed like it was really always Charles getting bit and Henry having. Sure, his- yeah. Some people, uh, some people just can't suck poison out. You know, they they feel it's uh, gross or dangerous. Anyways, um, well, Abe, this has been a good discussion about UFOs. (laughs) Folks, if you have any questions for us about unidentified flying objects or about um, unexplained phenomenon um, in the 1860s um, or uh, gay sex, email us at 15 minutes with Lincoln at gmail.com. That's numerical one five minutes with Lincoln at gmail.com. Um, and as always, rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. Abe, any last thoughts or any additional context for this story? Volunteer privilege. Yeehaw! All right. All right. We'll see you next time on 15 Minutes with Lincoln.